This is the Workplace Podcast with your host, William Corliss, brought to you in association with Yellowwood, providers of executive coaching, corporate training and facilitation, your external learning and development partner. Each week, we focus on a different aspect of the workplace. We hear from guest speakers who are subject matter experts and are incredibly talented at what they do. These experts will give you a different perspective and insight to work life with the aim of empowering you to take a different path to success in all aspects of work life. These perspectives will include career and personal success, leadership, high performance teams and creating a better work life culture in your organization. Yellowwood, take a different path to success with your career, team and organization. Welcome to the Workplace Podcast. Our topic today is negotiation through the female lens. Our guest today is Mather Cohen Chen. She's currently a senior lecturer in the management department in Sussex Business School, University of Sussex. She received a PhD in social psychology from the University of Sheffield in 2014 and then held a two-year visiting assistant professor position in the Dispute Resolution Research Centre, the Kellogg School of Management, Northwestern University. Her research focuses on the role of emotions, emotional expressions and emotional regulation in interpersonal and social processes. This includes conflict, conflict resolution, decision-making and negotiations. Her work is published in high-quality international journals and she has won a number of awards and grants. Of late, she's been teaching negotiations for seven years for an MBA students, executive postgraduates and undergraduates. And she has also conducted workshops on cross-cultural negotiation, specifically negotiation for women. Welcome to the Workplace Podcast. Hello. <laughs> How are you? Good, I'm good. And we were introduced by your friend and my former tutor for the London School of Economics is Rashpal Denzakalon, which so nicely introduced us. So I was really interested in this topic. I also teach negotiations and I've always been asked this question. What are the differences between men and women when it comes to negotiations and what is it women need to know? Are they at a disadvantage? Is there something they need to know? And I've never been able to answer that question. And luckily, I have you here to answer all those questions that I might have. So where's a good place to start then? I think a good place to, to start is really how we think about negotiations. We were talking about this a little bit before, but on the one hand, we've got all these um depictions of negotiations as you know all or nothing and people coming in lawyers doing this so it's really really about um uh, coming in and being really assertive and aggressive right women are often taught not to do those things right women have um stereotypical roles as caregivers as empathetic as um sweet as uh, submissive right so we we are taught not to do all those things um and and then on the other hand right there's this idea that you know you're either good at negotiations or you're terrible at negotiations right and it's something that you maybe can't learn how to do um and so there are lots of women out there thinking oh, well, I'm not assertive. I can't go in and say to a bunch of men, um, you know, take it or leave it. Um, and, you know, I can't learn how to do it and I can't get better. And so women um, not only um, negotiate less, right, they initiate negotiations less, um, but, you know, they have all these stereotypes or we have all these stereotypes stacked against us that, that make us feel like, we can't do it. Is it a little bit about self-limiting beliefs about negotiation? Say, I could never do that. And because of a false sense of maybe what negotiation actually truly is, because of what we're exposed to TV or or movies or, or whatever. And then it's a little bit about societal beliefs that, well, this is how we've been parented or raised in our childhood experiences then informs us not to be assertive. And, and then I was reading the research. You give me a lot of research on this, which I, I must thank you for. One of the parts there is there's a backlash effect, isn't there? That if women are assertive, then could you tell us a little bit more about that? 
so so first of all, it's not only self-limiting, right? So it's it's partly self-limiting. So women initiate less. Yeah. But then there's also research that shows that people give offers that are more aggressive to women, also minority members, uh, minority group members. Yeah. People who they see as weaker. So there's an actual right problem there. Um, But then there's this backlash effect, which is because women um, are supposed to be right sweet and warm and you know all these lovely motherly things right when they are not okay when when women step out of the stereotypical boundaries right and are assertive for example um they get punished much more so words like um you know bossy versus um assertive Right. Um, there's this lovely poster that I love and it's a and it's a little girl and she's pointing a um, she's pointing her finger at this little boy. And it says um, it says, I'm not bossy. I have leadership skills. Mm. Right. And it's about that. Right. It's, it's about um, people see men and women with the same abilities as um, very differently. Right. So a woman will be seen as bossy, whereas a man will be seen as assertive when you go into negotiations. Right. So maybe an assertive man will lead people to say, oh, OK, he needs to be taken seriously. I'm going to make him a serious offer, whereas a woman will get an even more aggressive um, uh, counter offer because oh, well, she's trying to push me around. I'm not going to let her. And so there's this there's this there's this backlash effect, which is which is quite interesting. Um in which women um, basically can't be seen as both warm and competent, right? It's either one or the other. But leadership roles and also negotiating, there is a very important need to be both warm, so forming positive relationships and competent, you know, someone that you you take seriously. Um, and so there's often, you know, this this backlash effect with with um with women negotiators. So how do we how do we overcome that? I, I, I'm just curious. If someone is listening in and it's like, right, I've to manage the ba- that balance there. And this is where is there a bit of emotional labor there where I have to hold back a little bit? Or it, it seems like men get a far easier ride there because if you if I'm going to be assertive, people it's it's a bit like people are going to listen to me without having a negative reaction. Whereas if I'm doing the exact same thing, there's a negative reaction. How do I how do we overcome that? So I think there's there's some really interesting um research. Um so that before that, right, we when we teach negotiations, we talk about how it's not about being aggressive and taking from the other side. Right. It's about listening. It's about thinking creatively about how to address the interests of, yeah. of both sides. Right. Um, and there's some 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 really interesting um, research um, by, uh, by by Laura Cray and, and colleagues that says actually when you take women and you emphasize right um feminine uh um characteristics uh that are good for negotiations so so showing women what what type of um you know things that they might be very strong at naturally or socially right and saying that's really good for negotiations then women do much better so i think it's about not thinking about negotiations as this super assertive masculine art, but actually exactly the opposite. Thinking about negotiation as a science, right? As something that has rules and thinking about ways in which women or or stereotypically feminine characteristics can really help you to be a good negotiator, Um so when I when I teach negotiations, I say to students, look, if you're a complete pushover, right, you have to learn to work with it, right? That's what it's gonna be. Okay. You're gonna have to learn how to plan and and be super nice, but have very strong boundaries, right? Whereas if you're super aggressive, maybe you could, you know, you you need to learn to listen more. So and the same thing, right? 
stands when I teach these workshops for, and it's about saying, okay, I am never going to be able to walk into a room full of men. If you can, more power to you, girl, right? But but if you feel like that's not something that you can do, right, you can't walk into a room, you know, throw all the papers off of the table and say, this is my first and final offer, you know, take it or leave it. Um, but you can learn how to say, I don't think that'll work for me, right? I really appreciate the offer, but I really can't do that to my family or I really can't do that to my team. Think about ways in which you can keep your personality and keep what you feel comfortable with as a woman, right? Um, so remain maybe warm, right? Um, but but practice those things that are more hard for you. Um, so I have two, two um, examples. One is, I know there are lots of men who suffer from this, but I think that it might be something that women suffer from more. It's this, the terrible, terrible, terrible problem with embarrassing silences. And you know, I'd say practice it, right? Like when you're in a conversation with someone, practice, take three seconds before you answer, right? Because this is something where where socially women are expected to be talkative, be sociable, be lovely, be nice, you know. And and so when, for example, we make an offer and someone just sits there silently, the anxiety kicks in, right? Oh, my God, he doesn't like it. He doesn't like me. He hates me. Oh, my God. You know, and, and instead, right, just to remind, you know, remind yourself, you made an offer. Now it's time for the other person to make an offer now, right? So get comfortable with that embarrassing silence. I had to practice it a lot. Um, And the other thing is, you know, is maybe things like instead of saying no, right, saying yes if, because really what's the difference between no and then giving a counter offer than saying Yes, if you can do this and this and this, I can do this and this and this, right? In the end of the day in the negotiation, it's the same thing, but it might be more comfortable for women and it might not force, you know, a woman to do something that she might get backlash um, stereotypically from. What you're reinforcing there is that if you know all the various different aspects of negotiation. So you said about a negotiation tactic like the power of silence and then the conditional offer, which is the what if, and the counter offer then to say, and it's a bit about trading there. So if we know more about negotiation, then we're not going to fall into that trap uh, that we were talking about before. And then this leads me to a, a curious question then, because I was looking at the other research then. So there's two different types of negotiation. There's the fixed pie or distributive piece, and then there's the expanding the pie, um, that integrative piece. So it seems that uh, women are naturally predisposed to do the integrative negotiation, say, listen, what is it going to work for you? And then you're moving into what's your BATNA, your best alternative to negotiate agreement, and your WATNA, what's your worst alternative to negotiate agreement? How does that fit in then with, with say, for example, the, the research there about those stereotypes buying uh, cars where it was female or people from mixed race or, or whatever? How does that fit in then uh, here, the, the negotiation piece? Is it kind of knowing what type of negotiation you're, you're in or what, what do you think? Well, first of all, I think knowing more about negotiation is really important. But more than that, going into somewhere knowing that you know this is a distributive uh, uh negotiation right buying a car is usually thought of as a distributive negotiation right you're just negotiating the price for example um where you are going to um be disadvantaged because you know you're going to get a more aggressive offer because you are a woman and that you know i would say two things one is it's really important to to plan right so you know, sorry, but men might be able to just go in and wing it, right? But we, you know, we need to 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 plan more. We need to come extra 
um, knowledgeable of what the actual price is, et cetera, et cetera. I would say everyone needs to be well planned. But I think because of this, you know, we're getting more aggressive offers. Women need to be, you know, um, plan better and have and, and know what, you know, what their BATNA is, et cetera, et cetera. And the second thing is, okay, so it's, there are very few distributive negotiations that can't be made into integrated negotiations. Yeah. Right. So knowing that and knowing that women are very good at naturally thinking, you know, creatively and, and, and um, being empathetic and thinking about the other side, you know, for example, just saying, um, look, your price is, um, you know, not good for me. But right, I've noticed that um, I've noticed that your reviews are not the best on Yelp or whatever it is. Right. How about you take this much off the price? Right. And I give you a fantastic review. Right. So adding issues to the table, thinking about what the other side might need aside from money um, and then tying them together so that it can become an integrative um, negotiation is something that doesn't necessitate being super assertive or, right, you know, fighting all these stereotypes. Um, and again, if you do want to fight the stereotypes, then 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 that's that's great. But, you know, if you don't want to, there's still a way of, of, of being good at negotiations. Seems to be women still have to work harder. It just seems terribly unfair. And, and, and just for our listeners, then the difference between um, distributive and integrative is distributive is usually a very short term relationship, a once off like a house or something like that. And then in, in certain situations, a bit like what you were saying there, you could have a long term relationship with a car to say, listen, I'll buy my next car off you or I will do, I have my car service with you or I recommend my friends. So there is uh, a certain element of that of of expanding the value there and this brings me to what you were doing was bringing the issues to the table you're able to claim value now notice my segue here i'm going to talk about claiming authority now so what are the barriers and opportunities for women attempting to claim authority in negotiations it is more difficult for for women right it is more it is more work I do want to counter that by saying um, I think often it's it's harder work for men stereotypically, obviously, mm. at building relation long term relationships, right? And thinking about lots of people' interests. If I, you know, other people's interests. If I had to categorize, you know, broadly, men and women, I would say, okay, women would be better naturally at integrative authority um also comes with with um with feeling comfortable with who you are yeah right um I'm never you know I have a squeaky little voice um and uh and I'm I'm never going to to you know come in and have a really deep voice but because um I've learned to be comfortable with who I am and because I have a lot of knowledge and I can do it with, you know, a little wink or I can do it with a smile, but I always, you know, I'll call BS and I'm knowledgeable about what I'm talking about. Um, I can claim authority that way, right? So authority, authority doesn't have to be, again, it's about, you know, socially what we've been taught to, to think about, you know, do we have power because we, you know, say certain things in a very deep voice? Or do we have power because we simply have boundaries that we've planned in advance and said, that's just not going to happen. I'm really sorry. I can say that with a big smile. That's just not going to happen. Um, so I think you can claim authority in, in other ways. Um, but it is about practicing and learning what you feel comfortable with as women we have to plan more um, and practice 
And when I teach negotiations, I often teach about the different types of power, like if personal power and positional power. Personal power can never be taken away from you. So that's your likability, as we know from Cialdini. It's a huge influence piece. People like to negotiate with me because obviously I'm interested in their needs and my needs and being a collaborative approach, which is always great to get the, the win-win. And it's about your personal expertise as well. It's the way that you're actually making that effort as well. So a lot of these things is part of your uh, personal power. And again, you have positional power that people sometimes underutilize, don't they? Your position in the company, you know, your connections, your network. You know, there's so many different aspects of positional power that maybe people don't utilize or leverage enough. Would you agree? Yeah, there's a positional power. We don't use those enough, uh, but there's also our situational power, right? Um, so having a great partner, a great alternative outside of the negotiation um, is, you know, is, is an amazing source of power that women can use, right? Because in the end of the day, if you have something better going on outside of a negotiation, then you feel more confident saying, I can't accept that because I've got something better going on, right? I don't think that we capitalize on that enough um, when we should. And you mentioned there about vocal tones and body language. I think there's a an aspect to that where you need to up your game in in terms of your self-awareness that you're you know exactly what you're doing with your vocal tones, with your positioning. Uh, how you're holding yourself, isn't it? Because that's a, a real determination to how confident you are going into negotiation, even if it's a bluff. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, I think people can, can sense if it's a bluff, but I, I'm just reminded of um, this really interesting bit of research that I um, read. Um, and that was about the fact that um, they, they looked at the word just, who uses it more. And basically found that women use the word in emails in sentences use the word just significantly more than men so I just wanted to 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 um to ask right I was just wondering um just a little thing um eliminate that word so it is about thinking about how am I being perceived by the other side right if I don't use the word just, if I'm not ap- constantly apologizing for um, for the things that I'm doing, even that little change can, you know, make you feel much more confident, um, even if you're not throwing things, you know, off the table. Um, and the other thing is, it's about feeling anxiety, right? The unknown makes us feel very anxious. Um, the unknown in something that we feel that we're not very good at makes us feel even more anxious. And so it's often just about, um, you know, preparation, due diligence, sitting down and saying, okay, you know, this is my, these are my alternatives. This is what I want. This is what I'm willing to take on this. This is what I'm willing just to come in with that sense of, reduced anxiety can you know make you feel more confident can make you feel more calm it's a little bit about faking it till you become it or till you make it um but all those things help right Uh, pumping yourself up saying you know what the other side is at the table because they are interested in something right what is it what is it in me that that they want right is it my work is it I don't know my money is it what is it right and how can I leverage that and you know make that bigger uh, so that I can get something as well I often when I teach negotiations I talk about the value of preparation it's like the amount of time you're going to spend in negotiations should be spending five times that amount before you go in and then you're much more confident in your uh, position but you're very clear in your position then as well and speaking of your position then what you're talking about there is the words that we use sometimes can weaken or minimize our position by using the word just and, and that reminds me of the work of Deborah Tannen power of talk what's important for our listeners to know about who gets heard and why 
I'm thinking about that in the context of um, of women. There's an importance in what we're saying, how we're saying it, um, right? Who who is basically who is basically um, um, uh, talking? The extent to what they're saying is important. Who's listening to them? Right? Are people talking over you, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. It's really important to make sure that you are heard. Right? That there is. Um, that that you are that you are not demanding right but but demanding right um the listening the respect that you that you are due and women tend to not do that so much one of my lectures um we uh we talk about you know calling out the behavior often the power of people who for example talk over you or ignore what you're saying or belittle things is in not saying anything about it um and I think you know and again it's about just saying wait I wasn't done yet or you're not you're not really answering my question so it's it's about calling people out I guess um but doing it still in a way that feels comfortable to you but making sure that no you are being heard right you are getting screen time right you are getting a place at the table um, and your interests are being met right so it's saying this is actually what I need right these are some of my interests this is you know this is important to me that might not be to the other side that that you're um your preferences might not be their preferences but those are your preferences and they are legitimate right so it is about making yourself heard even if it is to yourself first it's really about them being respected and placing value in what you have to say what you want as heard and that makes me think about when you're talking about calling out behaviors then you do that in a way that's assertive in your own own style. Sometimes there's subconscious things at play here and sometimes there's very conscious deliberate tactics. What are the tactics we need to look out for then if people are doing that on purpose to maybe sway us in negotiations? There's research about, you know, um, people express anger in negotiation um, because they believe that it's, going to achieve more concessions right and so yeah that can be deliberate and I always think about it it's like when you're talking to to you know someone who's you know my son for example right who's losing it and you just go into this like very calm mode I understand you know I understand that you are very angry you are very cross right but can we think about so it's a it's about not giving too much attention to this negative behavior, but calling it out so that it's not see-through. Like, I know that you're yelling so that I make more concessions. It's not going to work, right? Please don't yell at me, for example. Um, And I'm always going to bring it back to interests, to how can we work together, et cetera, et cetera. Even if right? It's only to not be pushed around too much. So it, again, it's, it's, it's about to name it and to tame it if, it, if it's happening. And, and that brings me to the point then when you're talking about interests and asking for what they want. I've often uh, taught negotiations and afterwards when we do role plays or whatever, women often come up and say, I'm not, I wasn't comfortable in asking. So how can we get a deeper insight into that? What's going on? That's interesting that you say that. The first few negotiations, um, the, the 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 female students, the the women, you know, they're they're like, oh well, I didn't, you know, I wasn't sure. And, but once we get to that idea of do some small talk, right? Say, oh, well, well, what would what would help you, right? I can see this dawning on them that, oh, I do this all the time with my friends, with my partner, with my children, right? With my colleagues, with my teammates, right? I do this all the time. I'm listening, I'm asking, I'm trying to integrate different um, perspectives. Do that. Just do what you're good at, right? If you're not good at it, that's fine. Practice. But, you know, but women naturally do this 
all the time socially right um in your family then do that ask you know so what what would you know what would help you what would what would make it better for you right and then let the person talk write it down and then go oh okay well that I can do and that I can do but then you're gonna have to give me this and this which would make me happy right and that part I think need some practice because that part I think is easier for men than women. And I think as well, a tactic they often heard was time being used as a factor and then being pressurized into a counter proposal or agreement straight away. I think a useful learning is to say, listen, can I, can I think about that for a minute and get back to you in five minutes or, or buy time or ask for more time or say, listen, yeah, I'm going to explore my options here and then get the other person to sweat a little bit. Again, it's all about that comfort level, right? Um, that I think women have more of an issue with than men. It's saying, oh, well, are you, are you sure about that? Or, hmm, I need to check. Or, huh, I need to think about that. Um, you know, even in job negotiations, right? Women negotiate um, less than men, Right. So people will say, oh, well, the gender pay gap is because women don't negotiate and women and men do. Um, but those also are prescriptive roles. Right. That that. Um, and so saying, you know, taking that second um, and saying not, oh, my God, thank you so much for the job. I would love to do it. But to say, oh, I. I need to think about that for a second. Um, and what I would say is do it just once. And then you, you'll you see that people, the, the world does not end, right? The first time, the first time that I, right, someone, I got a job offer um, and, and I was, I was working at, I, you know, I was working my mentor, um, Jean Brett, right? She was like, don't answer emails for 48 hours, you know, they send you a job offer, right? You just wait 48 hours. It was so stressful. I thought, oh, they're going to write after five hours and they're just going to take it back. They're just going to say, oh, well, never mind." And they didn't. It was amazing, right? And that gave me courage to say, well, actually, you know, could we work on this? And could we work on this? And it was always very justified, you know, I'm doing this very well. So I think, you know, this should be my salary, et cetera, et cetera. But you only have to do it once and see that it's just a normal part of life to feel like, oh, okay, you know, I can negotiate, right? It is possible. And people expect it and they respect it and it's fine. So yeah, so it's about, you know, pushing the boundaries a little bit the comfort levels a little bit and i think then it's something to do with eagerness then or eagerness to please isn't it like i'm trying to understand why we do that because if you wait for two days to respond to an email that's actually strengthening your position then because if they if they approach you then any update now they're reading position now they're showing their eagerness now you know you've a stronger position in negotiation then that leads you then to ask for more uh, and claim more value so why is it that that women don't negotiate for higher salaries or better those work conditions or you know car sales or whatever it may be is it that they see it as rude or what's going on there's you know again the, the that place in society um, you know, the stereotypical role of women, which is um, to to please, right? You 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 want to, and it you know there's there's uh, work on in developmental psychology about you know how how we teach you know we say to we we say to to boys you know be strong or you know stand up for yourself, and we say to girls no no it's nice to share come on you want to share all your toys, right? Um, and and so women are naturally um, encouraged in different ways, right, socially, um, to not demand more, to not be demanding, right? It's kind of a, ugh, you know, um, even my mother, when she, you know, when she, <laughs> she wants to say something about a little girl, oh, she's very demanding, um, <laughs> you know, um, why shouldn't, you know, why shouldn't 
girls be demanding right so I think yeah women are encouraged to not be demanding to not grasp more than than they should and and also on a an anthropological level on a societal level right this is relatively new women having careers and 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 all those things I mean it's been two and a half three generations and so if you are offered a job right then you take it um whereas men are more encouraged from childhood to to demand more and to ask for more right and and what's the worst that can happen they say no right um and so i think these messages need to be for for both genders that this message of um be yourself and learn how to work with your personality it goes for men who are very shy as well yeah well i was just about to make that point uh there that sometimes um people are listening in kind of going well i'm not like that and obviously this is we need to differentiate for context it's just not just men and women sometimes it's your upbringing or if you come from an affluent household that you might be encouraged to do that where sometimes the eagerness to please could be from you know just just take what you're given aren't you lucky to get it you know from uh, uh, financial security or whatever it may be yeah, and it, it can also be cultural, right? We, we know that there are cultures where it's very rude to say no, right? There are all kinds of people groups that can uh, benefit from, from, from these ideas. Uh, but, you know, for me, primarily women, and that is to, 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 to work with, with what you have um, because it can, it can help you to be a, a better negotiator, right? without taking on the entire you know feminist movement uh or, you know the 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 goals of the the entire feminist movement right um just just little tweaks here and there can can help to um to to make you a better negotiator um but yeah i think there's there's a broader context which is you know why do women have to do all these things um and and I think, you know, it will take time and it will get better. But in the meantime, we need to we need to do something with it in the meantime. Yeah. So so I'm hearing it, there's, there's a lot about understanding your negotiation strategy. What are the tactics available? What are your 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 influence here? You know, what's the value that's on the table? What are your issues, their issues? So if you have that good negotiation and commercial acumen it's easier then obviously to to negotiate and are there any missing links then from today's conversation that we haven't if there's anybody listening in and then there's they have a blind spot to their negotiations especially through the female lens what are the kind of things we need to they need to be looking out for i think a big blind spot um for both men and women um but that can benefit women very much is um, this this perception of emotions in negotiation. I don't know when this became behavioral economics and this whole idea that we are all rational actors and we should be making all of our decisions emotionless, you know, just thinking rationally. Um, but we we bring those perceptions into negotiation right we are not allowed to feel we're not allowed to express emotions we're not allowed to um lose our cool um but as an emotions researcher emotions are very important they they signal things to us and they signal things to others um and and i think that right there is one of those things where women have a little bit of an advantage, right? Um, You know, women are from childhood taught to express emotions much more, to experience emotions much more, to understand emotions much more. So I think, you know, using that in negotiations, using, you know, um, using emotional expressions um, and and relating to people's emotions um, is not only something that we, we should all be doing, but but women are particularly good at that. 
Um, and, and they should, and we should be using it much more. Um, right. This idea of empathy, empathy is, is, you know, everybody think, oh, well, empathy, you know, that's just a weak emotional phenomenon, right? No, it's right. It comes from perspective taking. So, you know, if, if when we say women are very, very empathetic, great, excellent, sit there for a few minutes, think about what the other side is experiencing. What do they want from, from this negotiation? You know, what do they want from you? How is that? So how can we use that to our advantage? There are lots of advantages in utilizing emotions rather than trying to suppress them and push them out of um of negotiations that i think are really good for for women compared to men it's not great that sometimes a blind spot is a hidden strength or a hidden superpower uh that we can utilize then in negotiations and it, it reminds me of that work by chris foss is that tactical empathy isn't it it's like what's really important for that person and sometimes that's where we can spot this is this is strengthens my position to go okay it's that sense of curiosity isn't it so what do they is a bit like what you were saying earlier on what is it that they find of interest that i have uh, in me and, and what what do i need from them you know so it gives a huge amount of scope and what are the other kind of you talked about heuristics or cognitive shortcuts that we do from a female perspective then what are the kind of traps is it is it the same for men and women then when it comes to you know critical thinking that emotions can sometimes be signalers or drivers of behavior is there something particularly for women that we we need to discuss i think there are two kind of blind spots right one is expressing an emotion that you're not feeling um so really faking it um which can be problematic um so, for example, if you're not feeling anger, right, um, don't go in and shout at people. Don't go in and shout at people at all, okay? Let's just not do that anymore. Yeah, not a good negotiation move. Yeah, not, not a good one, right? But um, something that women might um, benefit for, from is, um, for example, uh, the emotion of hope, right? So, um research shows that when people experience hope um they make more concessions right and so that's something that i think can 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 benefit women right go in there and show the other side what a fantastic future you have together in this right by getting to an agreement um Right. So inducing hope in others um, by helping them to envision a better um, future of whatever it is, the organization. Right. Um, their position as a leader or a manager um, can can help you. Right. So help them to help you um, by making them feel really hopeful. And that, I think, is something that women might feel comfortable doing. Right. Because it na- comes naturally. Um and and it can be very helpful push these these um these boundaries in a way that might feel uncomfortable for some and the other is um indifference this this idea that we that we want to to you know push in, uh, emotions out the door etc cetera, etc cetera, right then you know uh, we don't i'm not feeling any emotion i'm not you know experiencing anything um related to this actually what we've been finding um is that that is very detrimental to to negotiations right to particularly conflict right it's it's terrible um for cooperation um and so and so i think you know understanding emotions and emotional expressions and how they affect the other side um is something that women are very good at and can utilize just have to think about it a little bit well when it comes to indifference Say, for example, is it indifference if I'm the listeners are, are tuning into this? Is it that I'm suppressing feelings or is it that I'm, I'm kind of trying to push away emotions that are, are, are going to come up? Anyways, is that what you mean by indifference or what do you mean by indifference? So basically, um, we differentiated between um, indifference, which is a 
non-emotional response or reaction um, to something that should elicit emotion compared to, for example, neutral emotion, which is just a state of, of a baseline, right? Yeah. Um, and so, no, it's not about suppressing emotions that are actually there. It's about, you know, just not, not caring, right? Not having any emotional reaction. Um, and people, if you go on, um, you know, I know I'm, I'm a real oldie because I'm on Facebook. Um, but when people get into fights on Facebook, right? Yeah. They will often say to each other, oh, well, you know, you're getting really aggressive and angry. And the other person will say, I'm not angry. I don't care enough about you to be angry. And I, that always struck me as so rude, right? And, and just really passive aggressive or aggressive aggressive but people do that in negotiation all the time because they they want to you know uh, lee thompson and talks about right presenting poise right emotion control all these things but actually it you know explicitly trying to present that is really detrimental to negotiations you know all of these really interesting findings on emotions and emotional expressions um i think are a real strong point for um for for women that that we're not utilizing well enough um because we've been told that there you know there are actually an encumbrance in negotiation right emotions are terrible for negotiation you should be thinking like rational men but no actually you you shouldn't and what I'm understanding then is empathy is part of that a range of emotional intelligence that we can bring in that will drive behaviours and decisions, uh, utilising those uh, emotions that are similar to what's of, of importance or value to someone. And then that indifference then could be used as a tactical, actually, you know what, no, not important to me to care, actually, genuinely, that's okay. It's, it's not important to, to this negotiation. Is that what you mean by using indifference then? So this goes back to like emotion theory, right? Yeah. Um, and, a, you know, appraisal theory of emotion says, basically, you experience emotions about things that are relevant and important to you. Yeah. Okay. So if I tell you um, about a someone you've never heard of somewhere else, something happened to them, your emotion will be less strong, right? Or you won't have an emotional reaction. What does that mean? It means that experiencing and expressing emotions um, in a negotiation signals something to the other side. It signals, this is relevant to me. This is important to me, right? And so you know, keeping your cool, you know, being, being polite, for example, right, that's all fine. But explicitly telling someone that you're not having an emotional reaction, right, is basically signaling you're not important. This is not important. This, this, I I can't, I couldn't care less, right? That is very detrimental. So saying to someone, look, between these two options, right, I'm fine with both, right? That's not indifference. But saying, you know, I'm indifferent, don't care, right? That's really hurtful. Um, and yeah. So what we found in this paper, sorry, I'm going down the rabbit hole now. Um, so we we um connected people to heart rate uh, monitors. And then we had them engage in a, um, we had them read role materials, et cetera, et cetera. And then we um, told them that they were going, they could send a message to their counterpart. Um, and they did. And then they received a message um, uh, either of, um, you know, just talking about the, the issue um, or a message of indifference. And what we found is that people, their heart rate uh, variation right so they they had a physical reaction a negative physical reaction to an expression of indifference um 
which was, uh, you know, the equivalent of a, a fight or flight, right? But but basically, they had a a, a negative physiological emotional reaction to to indifference. Indifference can be very detrimental, um, and in in this context, at least. Like this has been such a fascinating podcast. We have gone from societal beliefs, limiting beliefs. We've talked about negotiation theory and the aspects and the more that you have negotiations uh, there. And again, we've got into emotional intelligence as well. And we talked about different types of power. We've covered a lot in this podcast. I appreciate that so much. And if you were to give maybe some tips then to people just to, to, to finish off with, how, you know, what might they be? Well, a few. I would say, you know, take half an hour to learn the concepts, right? The BATNA, the reservation price, right? And work on your alternatives because that is the source of power. You know, no matter who is on the other side, if it's a man, if it's a really strong man, right? If you have that, that wonderful partner, right? That alternative outside of the negotiation that makes you powerful, right? Both situationally, but also that feeling of calm of, I don't really need this, right? I can negotiate, you know? So I think that that's one. Um, the other is, um, you know, utilize what you're good at. Um, so, you know, are you a very emotionally intelligent uh, woman, right? Um then use that, ask people, get information, you know, do that small talk, ask them about different things. It's all good for, you know, for then going into interest, forming those relationships, right? Growing that pie, creating value. Um, and then I would say, just push yourself a little and and stay yourself, okay? So, you know, don't try and be assertive if you're, not super assertive, practice ways of saying no while maintaining what you feel comfortable with. So that's, those are my tips. Thank you so much for that, Smetter. And if people were to contact you then, how might they do so? Uh, my email, which is s.cohen-chen at sussex.ac.uk. Um, but also my email is online. So you can Google me um, and um, and find my email on the on the Sussex website. But I have to say I'm I'm always really happy to um, to to talk to people um, about you know negotiation tips and, and questions etc. So so please feel free to this has been a very informative podcast. Thank you so much for coming onto the podcast matter and appreciate all our listeners tuning in. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Workplace Podcast with your host, William Gordas. Our special thanks to this episode's guest for sharing their expertise with us. If you enjoyed this episode, please download and share it. For updates on future episodes and to get in contact with us about any workplace topics, please follow Yellowwood on LinkedIn and Twitter at Different Paths. As always, you can head over to yellowwood.ie for any other information. Yellowwood, your external learning and development partner, provider of executive coaching, facilitation and training. Take a different path to success with your career, leadership, team and organisation.